Welcome back to the Camp Friends Talk Movies podcast. Uh, I'm Bendy. I'm joined by my regular co-host, Bees. Hello. Uh, just a quick sh- uh, shout-out. We will touch on some spoilers, probably a lot of spoilers in this episode. Uh, the movies have been out for mm, maybe like uh, two or three weeks now, though, so uh, not too much pity. One that. week with Mad Max. Well, not even a week. Yeah, so. With Mad Max, but... So we'll talk a little bit about the uh, music we're currently listening to. We'll get into a little discussion about Ex Machina, uh, followed by Mad Max, and then we'll talk Marvel movies. So, uh, Bees, what are you listening to these days? Um, right now, so I do now, I'm a month, but May is Guided by Voices Month, pretty much because I saw them last May, and I couldn't think of a new album to get, and I panicked. <laughs> but uh, April, I downloaded an album by a woman named Allie Gertz, G-O-E-R-T-Z. Uh, I think she writes for At Midnight and stuff. The album's on the, under the unfortunate kind of stage name of Cosby Sweater with two S's. <laughs> she has since changed that, but I think the album's still listed under that. What did she change it to? I think she just goes by her name now. Oh, okay. Um, it's good. It's pretty much just her playing like guitar or kind of some kind of keyboard instrument. Um, they're like comedy songs but they're not they're good too um, like they're about Simpsons or I think there's one about the jerk with Steve Martin um, there is one uh, about Freaks and Geeks uh, one of my favorite songs though is pretty much about how she's judging all her friends opinions on movies and TV shows and it cracks me up so you can relate called, yeah it's called Open Letter to Myself did you ever um, listen to uh, Garfunkel and Oates no, I need to. I should put them on my list. They have an album. Uh, I'm not sure if they're stand up or like. I, I think they have a few albums because like, I know they're kind of like um, the female version of Flight of the Concords. Mm-hmm. But I think they're like a little raunchier. Hmm. I mean, I've seen them oddly enough separately in a lot of things or heard them, uh, and I like them there. So I bet they're, of course, funny together. Yeah, I can't think of too much um, music to promote. Um, kind of go back and forth on the new Mumford and Sons album but I'm sure most people are listening to that so instead of promoting a song I'll promote the uh, Spotify has a deal right now for uh, 99 cents a month for three months uh, it goes up after that so just put a reminder to cancel or if you like it keep on doing it but uh, one thing I really like um, is that with the premium subscription which is what it's for you can download the music offline which is nice for big car trips and uh, you don't have to listen to the commercials. Uh, I do like that they have curated playlists, which kind of more about discovering new music than I am about downloading it or listening to the same things. And so uh, my favorite playlist on there was the indie folk playlists. And one of the cool things is they're constantly updating the playlist as well, so they'll notify you when they add new songs to it. You can download it or listen to it, stream it, do whatever you want. It's available on all your devices. Probably a little late on the bandwagon to it, but it's just uh, something I wanted to throw out there. But getting into the main uh, meat of our podcast, or getting into the beginning of it... Well, I will say one more thing to segue. Go ahead. I was thinking about getting the Mad Max Fury Road uh, soundtrack, because it is Wouldn't fantastic. it be just the one long drum beat? Yeah, well, listen, if the Doof Warrior, who... He's in the trailers, I think I can say who he is. He's the uh, he guitar-wielding, flamethrowing... Yeah, he's a man in a red onesie with a weird kind of almost Geiger-like mask... Is he a mutant? Yeah, it looked like he had something wrong with his face at one point. But, uh, yeah, he's playing a guitar that is also a flamethrower, and he his whole truck is basically their accompanying soundtrack uh, for the bad guys. So if we're talking Mad Max now, the way I saw it is, A, it's the soundtrack, but B, one thing I kind of thought was cool was that 
you know, like in any of the old time armies, I guess mm-hmm. the Civil War is what brings to mind. Like, you know, you're marching to the beat of the drum, and that was kind of the same deal with this. You know, they have uh, on the back of this rig, so they have the guitar guy on the front hanging from bungees with this mm-hmm. giant guitar, and they have four people in the back with giant drums, kind of like keeping uh, beat to this large convoy of bad guys, which was, was really cool. Yeah, that's why that's exactly what it's like, and that's why I kind of get frustrated when people were saying it's silly. Like, no, there's precedent for that, even. What's cool, though, is when, like, bad guys are in the distance and the good guys are like, oh, we gotta go, you can hear this music slowly building. Yeah, you uh, can always kind of tell, gauge where they're at from, mm-hmm. from this music. So I guess if we're talking about Mad Max now, what uh, what was your overall opinion of the movie? I it, Beyond just simple mind, just, it's great. It's really, really good. Um, there's not. I don't, even, there, I don't even know if there is anything to spoil. It's not. It's not a movie that escalates really. It's just. It's just a really good, solid movie through and through. Um, it feels like a really deep world, but it never goes out of its way to explain too many things um, in a clun- in any kind of clunky way. You just. You like. You don't know the Doof Warrior is or what the deal is. You just kind of get that from the movie. Um, just the imp- an impression of it, and it's the world seems so much bigger and more interesting because of that. I think, and the world is so so dense in the movie without having to explain a lot. There's no, you know, in a galaxy far far away or anything. It just begins, and that's the start of a very long chase that goes throughout the movie. And you know, maybe there's one or two plot points to spoil that we won't go into, but for the main part, it's just a really well put together action movie. And maybe even calling it an action movie is is a slight to it because nope. it's. See, I'd say that's a... There are well-executed action scenes throughout. See, I'm okay calling it an action movie, because I don't, I don't buy into the idea that action is less than uh, anything else. It's kind of like the whole drama comedy people kind of Well, if anything, comedy. it proves that, then. That... Yeah, okay, yeah, I'll take that, yeah. There's no genre that's less than any other genre, at least in theory. Um, but yeah, this is probably the, some of the best action can be, I'll say that, definitely. I would say at least of the past... 10 years, I mean, there has probably been more money thrown into some of the bigger action tentpole films, but the, uh, the thing that people have really latched onto with, in regards to praise of this film is the, the effects in it, in that there is very little computer-generated effects, as far as I know, and when they are, they're very well blended into the practical effects that uh, were pretty well documented, that, that, you know, it did hold the movie up, there were reshoots, and I was skeptical of it after hearing all that, but, I mean, this is a case where these reshoots and the time they took on it was really well worth it in the end. I think it's about 80-20 practical with a CG um, effects. That's what I've read, at least. Yeah, I mean, I would think the only thing that was CG are maybe, like, just, like, the people dying, because anything other than that uh, looked very realistic, so if it wasn't, then then hats off to them, and, and hats off to the, the stunt people. I saw an article... Online, I think there's there's a woman you can follow on Instagram who was Charlize Theron's stunt double, and, and just some of the things she's doing is, is crazy. And that leads me into another uh, good segue here. Is this, this movie, I don't want to say it's being criticized, it's being hailed as being a feminist movie. And I don't even know, I mean, in my opinion, I don't know if it's such a feminist movie as more they just have really good, strong female characters without having to pump them up saying, like, these women are strong. Like, look at this woman, shoot a gun. Yeah, you get into some messy, not messy in a bad way, but just complicated areas by saying it's a feminist movie or it's the ultimate feminist movie, anything like that. It puts also a lot of pressure on the movie. Uh, so let's. So yeah, I kind of like that. It just has good, strong uh, characters for women to play, and it passes the Bechtel, Bech, 
Bechdel test with flying colors. Oh, flying colors. I don't look. So for the, uh, those of you unfamiliar, I'm not sure if we talked about the Bechdel test, but I guess the main tenets of it, it's where two female characters are in the same room in any given movie talking to each other about something other than men. That's the main philosophy of it, right? So, and that's certainly not the only test for a good movie. Like, Godfather doesn't pass that. No, right. I mean, this test originated as just like a, uh, a comic, it's, pretty much. Well, yeah. It's, a, it's one of the gauges you can use. Um, yeah. It's a good quick gauge, really, for for most things. But It's like Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, It'll give exactly. you an idea, but it's not the only test. Well, speaking of Rotten Tomatoes, if that's the only test you go by, then you should have already seen this movie, because I think it only has maybe two negative reviews out of maybe like 200. And like I think both of those people were looking for clickbait. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I think a backlash is starting. It probably won't be as harsh as the one, and we'll get into that later, for Age of Ultron, but... Um, I think there's starting to be a little backlash, but that's just that's natural. In regards to what? Any anything. Backlash is usually somewhat not social justice warriors. No, no, no. Well, yeah, cause that that phrases <laughs> that's that's Gamergate stuff. In, I, I don't think it's anything one specific. That's the thing is it, it's it's kind of anywhere anyone can attack, and it, it's not one demographic uh, going after it. Obviously, the MRAs, the men's right activists, hate it. Uh, for ridiculous, it's like Parks and Rec. Reasons. That's that's not even a thing. I don't think people, mainstream people, knew what that was until Parks and Rec. At least I don't know. I, I wonder if that was like a lot of people's introduction to that concept, because it's treated so ridiculously. I imagine a lot of people watch it like, no, those people can't possibly exist, but but they do. That's like a lot of the people on Parks and Rec. Well, yeah. One thing uh, that I did want to ask you, and I, I did intend, if I asked you before the movie, should I watch any of the Mad Max films, and you said Road Warrior, which is uh, the second movie, I believe, yeah. in the original tr- trilogy, if you want to call it that, of Mad Max films. I didn't get around to watching it, which really, I think the gauge of, the uh, of I don't know, it's not a reboot, really, it's, it's just another in the line of the movies, but what makes it stand out well is that I didn't need any introduction you know, you could link things from the previous films, and I'm sure there were callbacks to it, but I thought it standed well on its own. Um, would I be wrong in saying that? Or did... no, well, that's kind of the cool thing about Mad Max. He's he's a bit of a Conan the Barbarian character, um, like a he, James Bond. Well, I guess he is now. If uh, someone else is playing him. a little less James Bond. Con- I say Conan because Conan in the original stories I'm talking about, not the movie or the comics or anything. I haven't read the comics. I'm sure they're good. Um, he just kind of shows up into these adventures. Sometimes he's like an outsider coming in. Sometimes he's ruling a kingdom. He's always always in a different place. At one point, yeah, he's king. At one point, he's just this young adventurer. All these kind of stories that don't have this real cohesive mythology behind them, but they still fit together. And he's just kind of this constant character. He never has an arc. He never really learns anything because that's not his purpose. Sherlock Holmes never learned anything. Uh, James Bond never learned anything. But they're always the stars. It's always their adventure, and there's always kind of a consistency to their background. Conan and Mad Max, meanwhile, are almost uh, nomads. In the sense, they're just kind of going different places or always get involved in different civilizations. Well, that's what I thought was awesome, because, I mean, in the marketing for this film, they bill it as, you know, Tom Hardy is this big action star. and I don't know how you classify it, but that Charlize, or Charlize Theron and the women in this movie are really the ones that take center stage, and he's kind of just a bystander to the events that are going on. You know, it starts out with her kind of going rogue from this, like, this this lead, this terrible leader in this Lord. society. Yeah, um, yeah. it's totally Furiosa's movie. 
but that's okay. That's that's why it's cool. That's why Mad Max is a versatile character. I haven't seen Beyond Thunderdome. I admit that I, I feel bad, even though I hear it's not. But what I've read, it it's not really necessary at all. It's the it's, culmination it's of a lot of bad ideas. Uh, so Mad Max One, it's interesting. It's I've worth heard watching. It's a, it's a slow build. Oh, it's a very and slow an introduction. Build. I think on the canon they compared kind of Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2 to those movies like it's kind of a rougher uh, rawer movie and then Road Warrior just nails it perfectly I don't think this movie ruins Road Warrior it's definitely a lot more it's a lot faster than Road Warrior I think would you say that like it would set up like I mean if I go back and watch them does that kind of set like unrealistic expectations because this movie is just actually throughout Oh, well, yeah, I mean, go back and just go into them without thinking it's going to be Fury Road. Well, I guess, how does it match up to the to the first two? So if, if it's Road better War- than Mad Max. Mad think, Max is, is... So if Road Warriors, the, if, if Road Warriors, the Empire Strikes Back, how does this... See, that's hard, because it's kind of... Road Warriors gone beyond that point where you can rank it. That's how it's... Excuse me. It's kind of where it's gotten to. It's gone to this almost untouchable place, at least even in uh, the nerd canon, basically. I guess it'll be interesting to see how this one ages then. This one certainly... I mean, I'm, I'm still kind of on the high from this one, so um, right now I'd, I'd rather watch this one again than, than Road Warrior at this exact moment. <clears throat> I do want to see it in 3D, though. George Miller, the director, uh, famously said before the movie was released, uh, at least to the public, that you should see it uh, as intended in you know regular IMAX or the regular form, but some of the scenes in there, I think, would just be elevated by 3D. There's definitely a few ping pong ball, or not, the, what are those paddles with the ball on the string? The paddle ball. Yeah. Paddle ball moments from House of Wax. Yeah, so, I mean, I think that would be awesome. If, if you haven't seen it yet, why haven't you seen it? Uh, I would rush the theater to see it. I, w- I would see it in 3D. If, if you're on the edge, I, I would say it'd probably be worth it to see it in 3D. I can't vouch for it because I haven't seen it in 3D. But Both. If I, yeah, if I saw it again, I'd see it in 3D. One of the other movies that we saw uh, a couple days before Mad Max was... About a week before Mad Max. Yeah, about a week before Mad Max was Ex Machina. That was my second time seeing it, um, so if that was an indication, I really liked it. I thought it was well cast and well executed. Uh, so for anyone who is in the dark on it, a little uh, plot summary is that this coder wins a weekend away at this, this kind of subterranean facility where it turns out this guy who's kind of like a mix between like Steve Jobs and like a ultimate fighter. Yeah. He's he's the CEO of like a, a like a, a fictional Google company has built an AI and this AI is inhib- uh, inhibited in the body uh, this mechanical body that he's created as as Ava, a female AI. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of a little backstory to it. Um Again, I'll try not to spoil it too much. I mean, the only thing you can really spoil is the ending, so we won't go into the ending, but the rest uh, is fair game for this. So what did you think about it? Uh, it's great. Uh, for anyone who kind of just wants a... It's like this. It's a lot... If you've anyone, everyone's watched the show Black Mirror, which is on Netflix the first two seasons, there are only three episodes each, so that's not that daunting. It's a lot like an extended episode of that, I felt. I felt exactly the same. Yeah. And it also reminded me a lot of, of the movie Primer by... Oh, I want to say Shane Carruth. Yeah, Shane Carruth, who made Primer. Primer is about time travel, of course. This would be like Primer for uh, AI, basically. It's also a lot more <laughs> easier to understand than uh, Primer was. You have to watch Primer a few times to, to get it. 
Um, but yeah, it reminded me of that. It's a very small cast. Uh, Oscar Isaac. Is it Isaac or Isaacs? Isaac. Isaac. Is and uh, Donald Gleason. And Don... What is it? Donald. Like with an There's L. a lot of consonants in his name. Don... Don... Donald. Like Donald, but without the D. Bill Weasley is, is really good in it. <laughs> and Ava's really good in it, of course. Everyone's good in it. It's yeah, so those are like the three main characters. And there's a few other people kind of sprinkled into there, but... As far as it goes, just those three, like within this facility, and if that sounds claustrophobic or it sounds like there's too little going on, then it's the exact opposite because it's kind of a blink and you'll miss some parts of it. It's like one of those great psychological. It could, it could almost be a play. I mean, aside from the special effects, but uh, just the, the the dynamics and the way scenes play out just kind of remind me of like one of those really good psychological plays. Yeah, and that's why when I you know when I wanted to see it again, I wanted to come back to it and see if I could. <laughs> view it in a different way and again we're not trying to spoil anything but there's you know things you will pick up a second time from seeing it that maybe you didn't think about the first time and one of the things you wanted to mention is uh, I know you've uh, plugged them before but Film Critic Hulk who writes for what's the new title of their website? Well he writes for a lot of people but yeah Birth Movies Death is the new was it? Formerly, Badass Digest, yeah, Badass Digest. Um, they changed it and this makes sense because they, they, whenever they get quoted in like the New York Times or something, they couldn't say the website name. Yeah, I, I couldn't view it at work. Oh, really? Well, I mean, I, I could, but I didn't want to. And it oh, yeah, showing yeah. up on my history. <laughs> um, so, film critic Hulk, who's literally anything he writes is worth reading. But he has a really good bit on the ending. I, I guess we won't go into it because yeah, we'll spoil stories. the ending. But there's a lot of gender politics and gender politics. A lot of stuff about. Who, well, it's 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 so it's a it's a female robot who. Uh, it's not programmed, but well, I don't know. That's they can yeah, go back and forth. It's, if it's not programmed or if it is, the the sexuality and here and in it and how you know we view it is if it's a good AI, is it is it human? Is it not? If it is, uh, how is it treated? So on and so forth. Basically, how you read the ending and, and the I guess the morality and decisions made by all the characters almost says more about you than it does about the movie. And this essay really does a good job of... Um, yeah, it's kind of like a Rorschach test yeah. of, of, of viewing a movie, and I, that's a really great movie. I mean, any movie that that I can talk about and discuss and know that it was meant that way. And I think he said this too, but it's a lot like Whiplash in that way. Like, Whiplash is very much just a presentation of events and how you feel about uh, those characters. Kind what, of so like, as, as in Whiplash, like, was he improving the drummer, or was he... Taking too much abuse and vice versa, and yeah, pretty much. And that's, like, and that's how you how view, you feel about that teaching style. As uh, to how you feel about like her as a robot or as a person. Oh, not literally that much of a connection, but I'm just saying in the way that it reflects more on you how you feel about the movie. Uh, it's kind of like Whiplash. Yeah, definitely. So, kind of what we really want to discuss on this podcast is something. Uh, person who's not here, Philby, recommended that we do. He wanted to rank the Marvel movies now that. Age of Ultron has had a little bit of time to marinate. And we've only got one more for Phase 2, and as much as I want to see it, I don't think it's going to shake up anything too much. Uh, Ant-Man. I, I think that'll fall, if we're doing rankings, maybe kind of in the middle, if we're if we're being hopeful about it, which is the best that you can ask for. It'll be fine, but not mind-blowing. And, you know, and rather than kind of uh, boring you with an Age of Ultron synopsis that you've read in a mil- million other places or, or that you've seen, just know that we both loved it. Yeah, I actually do want to bore you for a second. Cause okay. I, I did really, really, really like it. Uh, there's a lot of backlash against it. A lot of that, I think... I wouldn't say there's a lot. There was a concentrated amount of backlash towards one scene that was misinterpreted. Mm, 
Well, there's a little. I'm telling you, it's it's all different factions. Um, that you, is one part you, of it. You're just you're just reading too many of the same message boards here. No, I'm saying there are different messages here. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of people who think it's too bloated, who say there are no character arcs, who, uh, yeah, they have an issue with one scene. Let's knock it into that because that's a uh, mess of things. Go to my Twitter to see what I think about that. Well, so a the, lot of little the one scene you're referring to is, is Scarlett uh, Johansson. Uh, I guess it's, not, it's been two weeks. Yeah, go ahead. Because Scarlett Johansson uh, it says a line that some people misinterpret as her her character saying that she's a monster because she's trying. Yeah, she's, she's trying to relate to to Bruce Banner mm-hmm. and that and the fact that she was sterilized as part of her training. And she's not saying she's a monster because she was sterilized or because she is sterilized. Uh, it's it's she's saying she's a monster because of how many people she's killed and how much her growth has. Uh, as a person has been directed towards that before joining the good guys. Yeah, and that, this was nothing new. I mean, Loki goes into it in the mm-hmm. first Avengers movie. She's got lots of blood on her ledger. It's, it's well and documented. I, you could say maybe the dialogue's a tiny bit clumsy, but, like, you really, you take one side, you go, wait, did she just say this? Oh, no, she clearly didn't. That's so, one part of the backlash. Yes. That's a small part of the backlash. Um, hey, well, let's not get into that, because... We want to do these lists, and this might take some time. Cause okay, we're but gonna have just one big just to clarify, you were, the other point you're getting at is just that it's it's the, a culmination of a lot of superhero movies, and that some people were just saying they were tired of it, right? I mean, I, I, as it's been building. The backlash has been building. Everyone thought it would hit Ant Man. It hit here. It's actually good for Ant Man because I bet everyone who hated this is gonna love Ant Man. Yeah, they'll be over it by then. Well, they'll love the getting back to something smaller. Um, I'll, I'll go into more detail when I get okay. to my list. Right. But. So, if we're getting into our Marvel movie rankings, Bottom there are... Top. Yes. Okay. Um, we're going to go... Well, do we want to do the... Okay, we'll go from the top. No, no, bottom to top. Okay, bottom to top. Worst to best. So, there are 11 Marvel movies. Uh, they were started with Iron Man, and the most recent was Age of Ultron, of course. So, my at the very rock bottom, still a decent movie. I watch it when it's on. It's not a bad... I don't consider it a bad movie. I just consider it the worst of the Marvel movies. Iron Man 2. Totally agree. Um, yeah, it, I, I wouldn't even say it's a movie, really. <laughs> um, it's it's fun. It's nice. It's pleasant. Uh, there's some good individual scenes. Everyone's good in it. Uh, I will say Mickey Rourke and Sam Rockwell... Rockwell? Rockwell. Yeah. Could have been some of the best Marvel villains if they had a better script. <laughs> Because they're really good in every scene. Every scene's individually good. It just doesn't all work together. Um, so they're like in a special kind of um, subcategory of Marvel villains, which are usually not great. Uh, they could have been really good with a really good script. It's a pleasant movie, but it's it's just a mess. Yeah, there, there was a lot to do, and the key plot points were kind of pushed to the side for a, kind of like a baffling mid-sequence where he just kind of goes off the rails, which could have been handled in a better way. I mean, it's it's not that it didn't need to be there, it's just that it took up a large chunk of the plot. The movie needs a lot of, like, hedge trimming. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, they, they had so much success in the first one that, not hubris, but maybe just... just oh, no, it's totally... Yeah, it is. Yeah. It, it's, good, it's good it hit this early on the, their third movie, because um, they kind of really course-corrected from there. But the good thing was, I think that they they learned from that. They learned from yeah. that, and you know, as a result, you've seen better movies. So, are we in agreement that that's? I think that's, that's the only one we're going to agree on. Okay. So, what's your number ten? My number ten is Thor two and Thor: The Dark World. Yes. Sorry, I, if this were Douglas movies, yeah, that, yeah, that way I would yeah. be disqualified. Uh, Thor two, 
Uh, again, not a bad movie. I thought it was actually good. I, you know, I, I don't regret seeing it. I've seen it again. I think that the idea of beefing up Loki's parts in it were a really good action, but I just think in comparison to the others, that's just kind of where it fell for me. Interesting. So what was your number 10? My number 10 is The Incredible Hulk, which is weird because I have a fondness for this movie. I actually do like this movie. I like it a lot. I really like it, but I don't think it's as good as the rest. So it's the same deal, yeah, just... Well, here's the thing. I think you ha- everyone has to see this movie under very specific circumstances, which are you have to work night shift, you have to have a bottle of wine, it has to be like... That's that, a very specific yo, a very. Oh, it's going to get more specific. It has to be like that very kind of cool April humidity outside where it might rain, it might not, but you'll be sleeping in like two hours because uh, you work night shift, and the window's open, and you had one glass of wine already, or like two beers or something. That's the very specific circumstance under, I w- under which I watched it, and I really liked it. And it's fine, but like nobody remembers this movie. I think that's the real shame in it. And it's for, you it's know, I'll for, get into that when it gets on my rankings. Okay. But it's, right. it's a forgettable movie, but not in a horrible way. Okay. Uh, so I guess then we'll hop to you. What's uh, your number nine? Okay. Uh, nine number nine is four one. Okay. It's fine. It's good. Um, but it's so small for such a big character. Thor's a huge cosmological character uh, with all kinds of religious and sci-fi and fantasy themes going on. And I get why they did this, why they put him on in New Mexico. I think it's New Mexico. Well, I mean, I think that's just like kind of the, more towards the budget they had. So they well, that too. Like, and it also introduces them in a much more easier bite to swallow. And I get that. It makes sense logically, uh, logistically. But it's just, it's, it's an okay movie through and through. It's very consistent in its okayness. Well, I think that's why most people, when they come back to it more, they end up enjoying it more. Because when it came out, a lot of people were just kind of like, eh. But now, I think most critics, or, or you know, at least the people that I follow on Twitter, have enjoyed it more with repeated viewing. <laughs> so I guess it's kind of just, you know, stayed this in the same spot for you. I, I, it's kind of dropped. Uh, to me, that was the first real departure. I mean, we had Iron Man, and we had Incredible Hulk and Iron Man 2. Well, was we the were first, pretty like, closed it, in. That was the first big step outside the, the usual. Literally, it was, it was outside of Earth. It yeah. was in another galaxy. Um, so I, I think it's fine. It's just, it's, you know, it's consistent. It's it's a workhorse. If anything, it was well cast for the main character. I mean, well, for Thor. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, everyone's great in it. You know, that's supported by them, you know, almost all those people coming back in multiple movies besides Natalie Portman, I mean, who, ironically, I think, could have been played by anyone because she's just kind of a, a, a damsel. She's really one of the only damsels in distress throughout most of it. And, you know... Not in the first movie. Kind of. I mean, well, I mean, her role, I mean, she's very smart. She's very But she's never well an actual danger like, that he has to save her from in the first movie. No, no. In the second I, movie, I guess yeah, not, but, yeah, but I mean... Um, yeah, I'll say I like the fish out of water stuff. That's always fun. Uh, it's a movie that's it's full of adequacy. Yeah, and that it's adequate. Well, my number nine. Oh yeah, and this this is where you're going to diverge greatly. You don't have to reveal where this falls in your list, Jeff. Oh, I'll get into why, it's, is, why you're wrong. Is Iron Man three, and and you can you can tell me how wrong I am, but <laughs> I don't know. Maybe again, maybe this is just a, a cause of the circumstance for me because you know at the time I was. Uh, like distracted during the movie, and I haven't come back to it much. And oh, okay. 
Well, I don't know. I mean, again, because, you know, I don't... I've only seen, like, maybe one, uh, one more time besides that. Hmm. I don't know. The, the reveal of the... Uh, Mandarin. The Mandarin didn't really hit for me because I really liked the idea that, uh, you know, he was the Mandarin and that, you know, he wasn't, like, some paid loony actor. But, I, you know, after seeing the offshoot... What, what, is the, what are they called? The one-shots? The one-shots. The one-shot. I thought that was kind of cool. I haven't seen that. Um, I don't own any, any of the Blu-rays, so... So it's like, it's hinted if you go on YouTube that there actually is a Mandarin right. and that he's not happy that this guy was pretending to be him. Right. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't have too much to say in criticism. Again, it's it's I like all of these movies, so that's just where it falls for me. But uh, it is uh, number nine on my list. Mm-hmm. Also, you know what I don't like is the fact that He's out of his suit for most of He's having an existential crisis. He's always having a crisis in these movies. Like, why can't it just be a really good action movie? Like, he's got all these awesome tools and all these awesome suits, and half, like, he's just trying to shed them throughout all his movies. I'll get into that, why that works thematically. My number eight is Thor The Dark World, uh, which I put above Thor because even though it's not as consistent in how good it is, when it's good, it's really, really good. Worst thing about this movie is the villain, Malekith, uh, isn't. Interesting at all. Uh, well, that's the, Iron, that's like the Iron Man Stan. two problem. They they cast great people, so they have, yeah, like you said. But Eccleston, they're interesting but... in their scenes. They're just not in it enough, and they're not used right. Eccleston, like, I don't, I don't think he's really doing a bad job. He just has nothing. Does to he work have with. like any legible dialogue really though? I mean, like he's in like in heavy makeup and yeah, it, 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 he's got. His I mean, thing he is sounds like, he like can, he's threatening. Maybe he but. can like emote, and he like he's got so much makeup on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he doesn't get a lot to do with, which is a shame because Malekith in the comics is a crazy character. I almost want to compare him to um, Frankenfurter from Rocky Horror. Like he's very, like he just kind of loves messing with people, um, but not like Loki. Like Loki's really evil. Malekith, there's kind of a almost like a Joker feel to him, but that's not quite right. Um, it, it, it was like an agent of chaos within the Marvel universe. Well, no, because he does have an agenda. He's always trying to rule something, but in just the sense that he's kind of funny in the way he's being evil. Um, uh, the, the movie's basically the definition of a mixed bag. It does a great job of blending the sci-fi and the fantasy that is uh, kind of the hallmark of Thor in the comics. Uh, it does that better, obviously, in the first movie, which is why it's better in the first movie. And the, the brother stuff really hits home for me, uh, the Loki-Thor stuff. Uh, I still, even though, spoiler, he doesn't actually die, I still kind of get a little, little lump in my throat when Loki, quote, dies. Um, the last shot of it before the credits start is great kind of holy crap moment uh, that really did surprise me in the theater. Um, so it's, 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 it's highs and lows, but the highs kind of elevate it just a little bit more, I think, than Thor's consistency. Spoiler alert, Thor was number seven. Hulk was my number eight. It does hold a soft spot for me in that... Um, you know, maybe I saw it under the right circumstances, but I really like Edward Norton uh, as an actor. I guess he kind of meddled a little bit too much for Marvel's tastes, and or maybe just the movie uh, fell flat for some that they didn't bring him back. I don't disagree that Bruce Banner is uh, Mark Ruffalo now. Oh yeah, that you know he solidified that he's great. But uh, in the standalone movie, I I really like it, and maybe that it's just too standalone that it's not really referenced. But aren't they bringing back the general for? They are bringing back the general, and I actually always do argue that Incredible Hulk is the real first MC, MCU's Marvel Cinematic Universe, is the first MCU universe, because Nick Fury showed up at the end of Iron Man saying, hey, Avengers, 
That happened a lot. We had a lot of those little, like, teases in movies before this kind of third phase of superhero movies started with Iron Man and Dark Knight. But when it's, like, the first time they're meeting it, like, so... Because Tony Stark Stark showed up in Incredible Hulk is the first kind of delivery on that promise, on that tease. The first time there was, you know... I don't... First time someone really made that connection between two movies, not just threw out a line saying, hey, this might go somewhere... It was a really like the start of the connected universe because yeah. you were like, "Holy crap!" Like Robert Downey Jr. is in like the end credit sequence of this, rather than just like Samuel L. Jackson, who everyone knew was signed to like yeah. twenty movies. Um, we're on number seven now. Or are you done? Sorry, with Hulk. Uh, I'm done with my Hulk number eight. My number seven is Iron Man one. Okay, a lot of that comes from I kind of don't like origin stories, but that's a little bit of. A, Retroactive well, thing. I mean, at the time, it was important. You have to take that into account. So, answer me this though: When they made this, was the intention that if it succeeded, that they would make this universe? Because they did have the rights to these yeah. characters at the time. I believe, but Avengers, it was under a different production company. It was an independent movie, actually, when yeah. they made it. Mm-hmm. I believe Avengers was always the plan. People act like they didn't plan. That was that. like the pipe dream. So no, like I think they, it was. They, I mean, it wasn't a sure thing, maybe, but it was not. It was it was more concrete than just a pipe dream. I okay. think it was it was there was a very short, not maybe not short, but a plan to work towards that. Um, and yeah, you have to give Iron Man credit for kind of starting this whole thing and being a hit for an independent movie. Uh, I used to think it was like Return of the Jedi and that it's kind of very clearly bisected. Like there's a first part of the movie and then the second part of the movie. Jedi is you know Jabba's palace and then Endor or Battle of Endor. And that's it. And there's like, it's kind of weak in the middle. Uh, it's not as bad as that. The villain's fine. Everything's fine about it. It's good. It kind of gets a little bumped for its kind of place in history of these movies. Well, yeah, um, and, I, and I think it was one of the. I mean, before we start, you know, uh, giving little jabs at it, it was one of the first superhero movies that was like, you know, maybe since like the superhero movies in the seventies, that like these can be fun and they can be good. Because I mean, they've gone on a run. There's a, there's a run of. Uh, it was there's, after Dark Knight, and it was everything wanted to be serious, wasn't it? It was after Dark Knight. Oh, yes, it was. Ten bucks says it was before. Okay, hold on, corrections department. So I stand corrected. After uh, pausing and restarting this podcast, uh, it appears that Bees is correct. They came out in the same year, but Iron Man did indeed come out before Dark Knight, about two months. Ago. Uh, I do stand by my statement, though, that it really did uh, at least set the tone for the Marvel Universe. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and that it was in contrast to the the DC Universe, which really wasn't a universe and won't even really be until, you know, this the second movie, the Batman vs. Superman, which, you know, don't get us started on that. Yeah. But, you know, it, it, it did set a good tone for the Marvel Universe. Sidebar history lesson. Um, there's three ages of superhero movies, modern, let's say modern ages. You got Superman and Batman, the first age, starting in the 70s with Superman, and then you have Tim Burton's Batman. Um, both kind of collapse uh, by the third or fourth movie. Right, so, <laughs> so we'd say they, they peaked in like the late 80s, early 90s. Late 90s. When, when was uh, oh, they the first Batman? They peaked in like... Late 80s. They peaked in separate like times, Superman fell apart before Batman ever came out, I think. But that's the first age. It's just Superman and Batman and some like maybe low-budget stuff. Second age starts with Blade. Everyone thinks it starts with X-Men, but it actually oh, starts with no, Blade. No, come on. Technically, it starts with Blade. 99, 98. But if you're talking about movies, people... Well, Blade made a good amount of money, so... Blade started it. 
Blade gets shoved under the rug. And then X-Men, of course, saved the comics industry and everything. So where do you want to say that that so I'd say the X3 third... after that? That's a good point. Um, no, probably Spider-Man 3, 2007. Okay. Before. Yeah, because then everything was rebooted and into a new is, universe. And Batman Begins is a little overlap, yeah. <laughs> Batman then, Begins fell in the awkward space between there. That was when they were like, hey, we can start making... There's interest in this, we can start making these again. And then Third Age starts with both Iron Man and Dark Knight, which I think is interesting, because I think the Third Age is very much a split in different directions. Uh, the more serious stuff, and then the more kind of... Not family-friendly, but just... Well, yeah, because not that Dark Batman isn't fun, but... Batman Begins was like, this, this is all realistic, like, this is... But it was also like, fun and goofy. They were ninjas. Yeah, then, but I mean, it did get more serious with Dark Knight because then, you know, Nolan had full reigns of movies by then, and DC decided that was the path they want to take also with Superman, which, I don't know, whatever. We've we covered that ground before. <laughs> okay. Um, so I did seven, so you have done seven. Uh, yeah, so Thor is my seven. We talked about that. Uh, Thor one. What? Thor one. Thor one. Do you have anything else to say on it? Uh... The only other complaint that I always have is that I and you disagree with me on this, and we've talked about this before. It's like his his merry band of of friends. I like Sif. I just we won't get into it too much, but I just they just fall flat for me, and maybe they don't for other people. I know they don't for you. They serve a purpose, but I I, I forget exactly what my argument was before, but they make. That you, well, you know, like they, they ground him and they not even ground him they just make him likable like you know if you know Thor has friends he's not just some popish douche like he's you know it, it makes his world more real that he has these friends that really mean something I don't know for him. me they all just kind of seem like stereotypes of, of friends like they're like, stereotypes of like kind of warriors yeah but yeah. they're also I mean so is Thor so is all everyone in Asgard is, is kind of a what are they called Ein, Ein, I forget what the word is they're kind of like classic heroes, so they're all you could translate them to Greek. Yeah, so like the one guy is like the the Prince Charming from like the uh, from anything really. Like he's, he's Terry Elway's basically, but yeah, by two that's exactly actors. what it is. Yeah, there's the quiet but silent and serious swordsman. Uh, except I think he isn't. There's like the big like Gimli like character. Yeah. yeah, like feast, but he's you know reliable. Oh, and, and there's like Sif, who's like the Starship Troopers unfortunately character yeah, she fits that yeah or like everyone wants her to be the one that he's with just cause you know I like the I like the quarterback and the valedictorian dynamic him and Jane have going on <laughs> um I didn't come up with that I forget who did though that's alright we'll take credit for it anyways so number six number six uh yeah if you notice all these have been phase one movies cause phase two is where the themes really get Deeper. Well, we get, we covered Thor two, so. except for Thor two. Captain America: The First Avenger. I yeah. thoroughly love this movie. I think it's got a bit of a weak middle, but that's kind of understandable and potentially good because they can tell more stories about that time period. There's a lot of montages right in the middle there. Um, I always I, I tweeted this once, but Man of Steel. If you watch it, <laughs> I guess we're getting into it. Takes like a million speeches to talk about what a hero is. Captain America shows it in a sixty second scene. When Tommy Lee Jones throws the grenade out, yells grenade, and everyone else runs away but Cap, not strong yet, dives on it and shields everyone. I'd argue that this is not an origin movie because he is already Captain America before he gets his muscles. And he's already a hero inside before he gets his powers. So, you know, not really an origin movie. Yeah, I mean, they don't, they don't waste too much time getting him to be where he needs to be. I mean, he's Captain... Like, he... He might waste time 
after he's already had the uh, the serum or when he's being used yeah. as a USO. Yeah, pretty much. But he, he's already the character that he is. He's he's always been heroic and you know stood up for his morals no matter you know if it got him beat up before he was uh, huge or not. But almost every other character gets their powers and then get becomes a hero. Spider right. powers then hero. Iron Man powers. It doesn't take a whole movie to get to where he's at, which is great because then you have at least three fourths of the movie to develop this great plot, and there's there's so much good stuff in it. Joe Johnson has a mixed bag of movies, Jurassic Park three, um, but he which, really not is, as bad as Jurassic Park two. Sorry, I think they're both just okay. Pissed. All right, all right, all right. Um, but he does he does this kind of stuff good. He does it uh, well in the sorry does it well. Superman does good um, in the Rocketeer. And Red Skull, he's not the best villain. He's like the second tier of Marvel villains. One note, but he's a good one note. Um, and I think he's pretty solid. And uh, Hugo Weaving is good in everything, though. Like he's such a good character actor. It's funny that he quit uh, nerd movies, though. Did he really? Is he, he pretty much said like, serious stuff now. I, Maybe I that's why I haven't that. heard of him since yeah. then. I don't know if it was right after that, but it was it was shortly after that. He was just kind of like, you know what? I played the villain in like every one of these. He's movies. probably so tired of going to Comic Con and stuff. Fair point. Yeah, I mean he's Elrond in like six movies, so he's he's moving on. What's uh, what's your number six? Uh, my number six is Iron Man. Uh, it's solidly in the middle for me. Uh, I liked it when it came out. Like I said, I think it set a good tone for the Marvel universe. You know, neither fantastic nor terrible. Uh, it, it was good. Uh, that's you know, and I, I don't have too many complaints about it. And I want to add on. Gwyneth Paltrow gets a lot of hate. Some some maybe I don't know, deserve, but she says a lot of. Things they're foot and mouth. Well, she's one of the you know like as a mom, I believe in this. Yeah. And you're okay. Great. And I disagree with some of that, but she is really good as Pepper Potts. And that well, this was the movie, the, these trilogy of movies are the Iron Man movies, and I guess she was in Avengers two. Avengers one. Avengers two is in as well. Also, yes. But in in the first Avengers, I mean, she was facing some of that backlash, and you know, this was only the first movies that kind of got her back into the acting game. Not that she was ever out of it, but I mean, yeah, she she was good. I mean, she wasn't. It wasn't like in Thor where I was saying that's Natalie Portman. She inhibited her character, I that's think, fair. pretty good. Uh, so I would say Portman becomes that character more in the Dark World, which is weird because she's more of a damsel in distress in that one. Um, so five, my number five. You go first, okay? Captain America, which you touched on, I first one. Yeah, the very first one, I believe, in uh, All Your Points. It's it's really great. I, I'm i a sucker for World War II movies. Yeah. Um, which I, for, for the most, 99% like of it, it is. It's, it's, it's great. And I like that it's not like alternate history. It's like they've created their own story because, you know, they have Hydra. You know, I think they still, you know, they throw the swastika in here or there. They have the iconic scene of him punching Hitler. But, People complained about that a lot when it came out, but it it makes sense. Like, it's the best, and it's not an origin story. It's, it's not at all, but it's the best weaving of the, you know, the old propaganda comic books from the nineteen forties and his initiation to the Avengers. I mean, how much better can you do it? You know, you have this whole great story, and and at the end, it's him sacrificing himself, which they've th- shown throughout. They have him jumping on the grenade to him taking down the plane, which he needs to do, and. It ties in, yeah. It ties in on the wire. So many better points of uh, the cosmic cube, which is one of the infinity stones, and it's just they they did a lot of things right in that movie, and it was I think it was the lead up to the Avengers, wasn't it? Yeah, right before, because there wasn't a really a post credit scene. There was just kind of like a short 
kind of preview for the Avengers. Yeah, so there was a lot of good hype leading up to it, and it didn't really spoil it, or it didn't really sour anything. It was really great. Um, I do want to add two things I forgot to mention with that. They Dum Dum Dugan's one of my favorite characters, just in the movies at least. I, I admit I don't know him as well from the comics. He's the guy with the bowler hat. Yeah. Uh, Neil McDonough, a big guy with a, with a kind of barber. And again, you might not recognize his name, but you'll recognize him, him when you see him. He's yeah. in everything. Yeah. And uh, Captain America 1 has one of the best last lines of a movie ever. I love movies that end very abruptly with the last line. Age of Ultron does that too. So what was the last line in this? If I had a date. My memory? I, had, I had a date. Okay. And it just cuts to black. Is that after he's woken up? Yeah. He wakes okay. up, he runs out, he's in, uh, is it Times Square or something? Yeah. And Nick Fury's like, hey, you know, chill, we, we gotta explain to this. What's wrong? He goes, I had a date. And it just ends. It doesn't like do the pullback, doesn't do the Lord of the Rings. Oh, let's go up into the sky and see the big city and whatever. No, just ends. I had a date. And Age of Ultron does that even more, and I'll get into that when we get to that. Okay, so that was my number five. <laughs> my number five, and I'm kind of shocked at myself, is The Avengers 1. Ooh. Yeah. I like this movie. I love this movie. It's a movie you can just throw on. I will even put on the last 45 minutes once. And that's what uh, constant uh, co-host Neil and I, you know, whenever you know we've had a few or we're just hanging out, we'll just, hey, you want to watch the last half hour, 45 minutes yeah. of The Avengers? From I'm Always Angry uh, to the end. Even before Exactly. That. Well, I mean, even before that, just the invasion of New York. Yeah. I love this movie. It's so much fun. As I've gotten further away from it, and that always takes me like a year before I can really critically analyze It's marinated, yeah. Um, well, no, it's, it's more like I'm not as emotional about them. Um, the first half hour is a little not great. It's fine. I don't think it's bad, but it's it's it doesn't have the energy of the later moments. Um, and there's the movie's not really saying a lot, which is again fine. They're superhero movies. Oh, are any of these movies saying a lot? Later phase two is okay. I yeah. won't. I will not interrupt the rest of this. <laughs> Uh, I will say it is very iconic. It's more iconic than Age of Ultron if you just want to compare those two movies. Uh, it's got a lot of just great moments that are going to stand out for a long time. Uh, I think Bob Chipman, movie Bob, who's online critic, um, he compared them to Godfather and Godfather 2. Godfather 2 might be technically better, but Godfather has those more make them an offer you can't refuse, take the gun, leave the cannoli, or leave the gun, take the cannoli. Yep. Um, just iconic moments. So it, it, it does get a lot. It just, the thematic depth of the later movies, and I guess I'm using depth in quotations, though I really shouldn't have to, kind of just out shows this, outclasses this just a tiny bit. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's a fun movie to watch all the time. So that was your number five? Yes, and you just you did number five there. So yep. First, so so uh, my number four was Avengers Age of Ultron. Okay. And, you know, uh, like B said, th- this may change over time because I'm sure, you know, if you asked just a year ago, Avengers might be a little higher with those, uh, at least for you. But uh, Avengers Age of Ultron right now was is my number four. You know, I haven't seen it again. I've only seen it the one time, so I haven't still had a lot of time to process it. Um, again, I don't uh, from from here on out, I don't have a lot of complaints from four through one. It was great. It was a great addition of Vision. There was a lot of stuff going on, I think. Maybe, I mean, you know, it was what, like two and a half hours? I think it's 220, but yeah. I think it even could have been longer. And I know Joss Whedon was forced to cut a lot of stuff in there, including um, some themes, uh, some scenes from Thor, where he kind of has his little vision in the in the well that was, I know, cut down a lot. Could have showed for that. But I really enjoyed it, though. No complaints. 
Good. My number four is Iron Man 3. Oh, I was beefing up a lot for this, but it turns out you don't like it mostly because you haven't seen it a lot. No, uh, I've, I've watched seen it, a lot. it maybe like twice. Okay, see, so I, I saw it twice in the first week, and I saw it when it came out in Redbox, and I probably watched it on and off a couple times since then. So I won't, I won't, I won't bring the uh, giant bat to this discussion. But I will Are say, you're gonna bring a... the whole Christmas movie theme into it. Now that's a that's a side. That's a okay. That's a, okay. That's a quirk of Shane Black movies. That doesn't really matter. <coughs> I will say, Iron Man Three is a much deeper movie than I think a lot of people realize. And you complain about him not being in the suit, but a lot of that has to do with there's themes of identity, there's themes of wounds, of of healing, of scars, and PTSD, just all woven into this movie. The reason why I should have prepared better, should have watched it more. Well, I just, I just don't think I resonate with all that, and and I get that, but I just don't think the best way of going about that was him like just hanging out with the kid for like half the movie in a little cabin was the best way. And I mean, that's not half. That's. But they want to talk about the PTSD, but he only mentions like New York, like maybe like once in passing about like him going through the wormhole and all that. I thought. That right. was a really cool theme to touch on, but then he just talks about, like, I, I can't be in the suit, I can't do this, I can't put people in harm's way. Oh, no, he wants to be in the suit. The suit is where he feels most um, the calm. He can't be in the suit because it's, it's broken. Uh, you, they only mention the PTSD once or twice, yeah, but it's throughout the whole movie. The idea, the reason why he's been building so many suits is because he's fixated on that trauma and he's only fixated, basically, okay. Let's go back to the first movie. He's been kidnapped. He's been in kind of a shootout. He escapes with the suit. The suit is the scar that forms around the trauma that happened when he was kidnapped. The yeah, suit so is it's, a so scar. it's like his blanket. It's his. It's not even a blanket though, but it's 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 a physical change on him, external of where he experienced trauma all over. Obviously, it's a metaphor, but the suit is a scar, which is interesting in Iron Man three because the villains all regenerate, which is the opposite of scarring. Scarring is a skin that grows over a wound. Regeneration is just pure regeneration. I haven't worked out all the little kinks in this idea. I'd like to write something even, but there's a lot to do with basically he, he's externalizing his trauma. When he's building all these suits, he's just building suits for no reason. There's no purpose. He's just fixating, prevaricating on these suits uh, for the full beginning of the movie. When he has the suits taken away from him, then he really has to internalize all that stuff that he's been externalizing. That's why it's important that he's without the suit. That's why it's important that when he breaks into the Mandarin's compound, he's using little kind of Iron Man-type gadgets, but there's stuff he has to put together just for himself without the suit. There's stuff he has to use at the hardware store without... Okay, yeah, he probably uses the company credit card, but he doesn't have his lab to work with. He has, like, Christmas ornaments to work with. Yeah, I get that. Uh, I guess I just like Iron Man because of... The suits and like him fighting in the suit, and, and we get and that I, as a spy movie, like on its own, that would have been cool. And maybe that's just why for me it's lower. That's, I mean, that's fair. I guess it, if you're waiting for the real Iron Man movie, kind of one was the origin story. Two, two is the one to blame. I it's think just because, like, yeah, I guess two that's it. Because two sucks so bad. You wanted that. I wanted something in three that would make up for that, and really, three was the culmination of the first two. In, in, in his own personal crisis. Yeah, and I think the Mandarin stuff, I think it's important that it turned out the Mandarin's just a front. Because whereas the Iron Man identity, he has to take into himself. He has to become Iron Man without the suits. 
the Mandarin is this, this is an empty suit that doesn't matter. It's nothing. It's 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 an identity that's easily blown away. It's a fake identity that uh, Guy Pierce is using. I had a lot more. I it, I pieced together well enough before I came here. But just like look at the look at the things about identity in the movie. Look at the number of times the line "You know who I am" is said in the movie or written down in the movie. It's at least three or four times. Uh, there's the one guy from the Mindy Project who says like, oh, I style my whole image after you. Like, a lot of identity stuff going on here. A lot of stuff about wounds, regeneration, what you do after a trauma, okay. and how you deal with that. Uh, I'll say the last thing is, in the first one, the suit is used to escape a traumatic experience. Right? Right. Yeah, well, he's a prisoner of war, and right. then he gets out, and, you know... The suit is the object of escape from a traumatic trauma. In this one, he calls all his suits, which, by the way, they go out of the way to explain, are not available until that moment. Which, alright, that's convenient, but they do explain that. Which certain listeners to this podcast have complained about. Well, one. PJ. In this one, he use, he brings all the suits out, all the, the scars, to go to an action scene, to go to a, a potential trauma. He, he's finally embracing what he has gone through. He's never going to be rid of it. He's never going to be over PTSD, but he's at least accepting it moving forward and learning how to live with it. Well, I mean, he literally... He blows up all the suits, and everyone thinks... Well, he doesn't have to rely on the... uh, Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, was the heart... The heart, the pacemaker, or whatever they want to call it, yeah. Arc reactor. Um, Yeah, he finally just learns to move on, not get rid of it. Again, you don't get over that, but you can learn to live with it in productive ways, maybe more. Um... I'm saying there's a lot more to Iron Man three. No, that's, I don't. I don't disagree with any of that. Uh, so, your number three then was that our? You did your number four. My number four was Age of Ultron. Oh, okay. My number three, Guardians of the Galaxy. Really? Yeah. I'm surprised it's that low. It's so much fun, and it's it. There's like some good themes of loss and and dealing with that okay. in there. All right. All right. I, like it's such a fun movie. It's a movie I've probably seen it more than any of the others, except maybe the last four. It's got the best years. rewatchability factor. Yo, yeah, out of totally. Any Marvel movie, hands down. It's a blast. Uh, there's like one one part of it I don't like. What's, uh, what part? I don't like that? that he calls her a green whore. Like there, there's no logic behind that. Um, okay. There's no literalness right. like behind. It's a small little thing. I, a lot of people got more. So so like three seconds out of the movie. Yeah, is... three seconds out of the movie. I don't like. I love Rocket. Um, I love it. Everything about the movie, it's just fun, but it's, I don't want to say slight, but it's just, you know, the other two were just better, is really what it okay. is. Okay. All right. Well, for, for number three, my number three was uh, Winter Soldier. And, you know, we're all kind of in the same, uh, you know, minus one movie here, uh, the same top three realm here. So, Winter Soldier for me uh, was by far the best standalone. Marvel film, and I, we, I don't think we'll disagree on that. It was the best standalone film, because Captain America is my favorite Avenger. I don't know if I thought he would be going into it, but just everything, how they built up his story, the people they've cast in his movies, the way that it's worked out, the way that it had the biggest implications out of any standalone film between uh, Hydra infiltrating uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. On the whole universe, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, that was great, and, and you know, since you haven't said it yet, I'm sure we'll hear more about it coming up. So, uh, your number three was Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. That was my number two. Okay. So, like you, like I said, it has the best rewatchability factor. It was a standalone film while still having 
small elements of the other films. So they have Thanos, they have um, Infinity Stones. Yeah, Infinity Stones. They have a few other things, but on its own, you know, it was a movie that catapulted Chris Pratt to where he is right now. I mean, there were a few other films, Zero Dark Thirty and uh, Moneyball, a few other films, but this really put him into the stratosphere at the time. The underdog story, even beyond just the script, like everyone thought this movie would fail. Yeah, which was, I mean, what also made it so great is that it came out of nowhere. It wasn't like we had high expectations for it, like Age of Ultron, and it fell flat. It did the opposite. No one had any expectations for it, which is, I guess is what we're hoping is the extremely best case for Ant-Man as well, is that maybe it can come out of nowhere and be great. But this really was great, and I loved it, and it's my number two. Good soundtrack, too. Yeah, killer. Killer soundtrack. My number two, and I want to say that this might switch over the next few months as I think about it is Winter Soldier okay and I mean yeah pretty much everything said I love that um, it, it demonstrates what is good about these movies and that they're not they're movies with superheroes they're not superhero movies except for maybe like the first Iron Man and probably Ant-Man okay. they're uh, they're just different genres uh, Captain America 1 is a World War 2 adventure Guardians of the Galaxy is a sci-fi action movie um, Thor is like a fantasy fish out of water thing and then Captain America 2 is a left turn into like 70s spy thriller which they were literally going for with Robert Redford as, as the bad guy it was awesome yeah everything's so good about this movie it captures ex- exactly what Cap is Cap is almost like uh, not that he doesn't have arcs but he's like Conan and Mad Max and he's a very constant he has a very sure morality at the center of him um, how he interacts with the outside world concerning that morality changes and that's a big change of Age of, in Age of Ultron. But there's just so much good about this movie, and and yeah, like you said, it has these big uh, repercussions for the rest of the universe. Apparently, Thor Ragnarok's going to be like the one for that for Phase Three. Well, it's like as, as a more cosmic phase, of, yeah. Like you know, turning, changing gears into the cosmic phase. But this one was like you know the, uh, you know, Hydra's infiltrated mm-hmm. shield and. And she so was brought there. down. Yeah. Um, so Winter Soldier, it, I might even add the caveat that it probably is the best one, but right now I'm still on the high from the other one, which you'll probably have guessed, but you do your number one. Uh, so number one, uh, if you've been keeping track, the only one I haven't met yet is the Avengers. And, you know, uh, as we've talked about, it's, it's a product of the build-up. The, the build-up was all towards this movie, and... I, I disagree that, you know, some parts of it suck. I, I could watch it all. I mean, especially the last 45 minutes. Oh, I mean, suck. Just not as Yeah, cool just, as just not as... Minutes. Yeah, it doesn't stand... Well, I mean, but again, what could? And maybe that's what makes it for me is that uh, all this stuff is happening. And, and Loki is, is such a great bad guy, you know, because he's not even completely evil. It's just you know his motives so well and, and the way he manipulates every character and... You know, there's so many great Hulk scenes, especially like you know, just him at the end, just smashing Loki, and and so many moments that made you just like you know stand up and cheer, even like in a movie theater where I hate people clapping. You know, it was where I even felt like clapping. Mm-hmm. So so there's all of that going towards it. It was the culmination of Phase One and getting people really amped for Phase Two, and just a a good climax of everything coming together. It was unprecedented. I'll give it that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, my number one is Age of Ultron, because I think it's a more fully realized version of what the Avengers was. It doesn't have the history behind it, the culmination aspect, but it, it as a, in and of itself, gets it more. It's, it's the first real comic book movie I've seen, I think. 
because there's all spoilers. There's a scene where you see them all. It just the camera circles around and you see them all fighting and they're like diving in from left and right and killing all these robots. And it, it looks like it could be just a couple panels out of a comic. Literally, the last shot, one of the last shots. Try get into too spoilery. Uh, hey, all right, one of the last shots shows the team how it is at the end. I'll yes, say. yes, uh, yes. And it looks like a cover for a comic. Well, it's the boost into Captain America: Civil War, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, I Which, think it's uh, supposed to be. It, yeah, and it, it, a lot of themes from this will, will come out in that. Everyone gets, and the cool thing about it is the big three: Cap, Thor, and Iron Man drive the plot mostly, and they get their little arcs, but they're mostly riding off the arcs from their own movies. Uh, maybe it worked better for us because, you know, a lot of people said they tried to fit too much in. I think they balanced it all com- there completely well. There are two pieces well. of fat on this movie. Two pieces. Okay, what were the two pieces Ulysses of Ulysses Claw. But I like them. I like them too. I'm not saying these things. Maybe that's why we both enjoyed it so much. Fat isn't I bad. I was looking forward to that. Yeah, fat isn't bad. But okay, you no, need number two stuff. piece of fat? Thor. Thor's vision. And I, it, it, it's, well, it's cut, cut down I mean, from what it was. Because they had to cut it down. So maybe if they... Expounded on it a little more. I actually think they did a good. I think they made the right choice with how much they showed, um, because if he if they cut it entirely, him showing up, again spoilers, to bring Vision to life, wouldn't have made any sense. Although that's an awesome moment because he just shows up and you're like, oh my god, what's he gonna do? Because two sides of Avengers are fighting over whether to bring Vision to life, and there's just this moment of what is he destroying him? Is he bringing him to life? I don't know. Well, I guess it's like the whole, like, why does he even go down there? He doesn't really explain it well to the team. He's like, I'm out. I'm going to go check something yeah, out. Yeah, it, it's glossed over. I'll give you that. Um, I'll, I'll say the great moments in this, unlike the Hulk smash or the puny god or the I'm always angry moments, which are all Hulk moments of the first movie, the great moments in this, the big gasp moments, are all quieter moments. And especially the one where, again, turn this off right now if you haven't seen it. Vision picks up the hammer and just oh, yeah. casually hands yeah. it to Thor. That's a very quiet moment, but every time I saw it, and I've seen it four times, people have gasped at that moment. Well, I mean, I think the reason why we both like it so much is because it's like, you know, there there doesn't need to be any backstory leading into it. The payoff is that we've seen all these films and that these characters are showing up throughout. Even the minor characters, I get even giddy when I see uh, War Machine or any of these other people when they show up. That's the best part about it. Is it's a payoff for us, and maybe that's where some of the backlash comes in for the people who aren't as passionate about it. But that's the fair. cool thing is, is that there are a lot of people that are passionate about it, and that these are the people that they're catering to with these movies. It's a densely packed movie, um, and I, I, I know I like I like the way it ends with who is on the team at the end. I'll, I'll leave it at that. I like Scarlet Witch a lot. I think she's cool. I think Ultron's up there with Loki as the two best villains they have, which is appropriate because they're both Avengers villains. He was good. I mean, I like that you can... Like, he had his own personality, but you can see where it was derived from Tony Stark right. and, like, his, his quips and his thinking and, and, and everything else. And James Spader was awesome, just as his voice work. He's funny. Like, he's one of the funniest characters in the movie. Yeah, he's There's great. There's a lot I of mean, kind of like, ah, yeah, that, that too, moments. Like, just kind of like in Iron Man 3 where the one guy's like, uh, I don't even know who these guys are. They're weird. I don't want to just let me go. Like those moments. Yeah, so it was great. And, uh, I mean, besides our descent on Iron Man 3, I think our lists pretty much are, are pretty close. I, I, that was the only thing that really I didn't anticipate. So 
those are our list of Marvel movies. If if you haven't seen them, I can't really uh, I can't really rec- uh, or I would recommend any of these. I can't really say that you shouldn't see any of them. But well, uh, well one of our friends Wendell actually saw Age of Ultron without seeing Captain America two or Thor two. So he was clueless. No, he liked it still. Maybe it's know. just me. I don't understand how you could. I don't either. But he somehow did it. Well, well, those are our lists, and uh, that's it. That's it. Uh, well, again, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. We'll try to get more out in the future. Uh, I'm, again, I'm Bendy. I'm Bees. And uh, tune in next time, and maybe we'll have a little more discussion on Ant-Man. We'll uh, have some Game of Thrones recaps, and uh, maybe Bees will be caught up with Mad Men by then. Yeah. We will see. Thanks for listening. Yeah.